Welcome to Education Currents, a show designed to provide educational news and commentary from a Christian worldview. The greatest resource any community has is its children. And by providing for them the best possible education, we are providing for ourselves and future generations. Join us as we explore the latest social and political issues surrounding education today. Welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and today's show is Questions Listeners Have Asked. These are educational questions that have come to us through the years, and I thought we'd just go through them. So question number one. I have a fifth grade son who goes to public school. He is constantly picked on. I've told him to turn the other cheek, and when he does, then he comes home with bruises on both cheeks. I can tell it is destroying his love for learning. I went to the teacher and then the principal, but it seems as if their hands are tied. What can I do? Well, of course, we always say, you know, tell a trusted adult, but this is very serious. None of us in our workplace would continue working in a hostile environment. And yet we expect our children to figure out how to navigate in a hostile environment. And if someone starts picking on you, you're in their crosshairs It can be pretty frightening. These are the options a parent can do. And I'm telling you right now, going and talking to the teacher and talking to the principal sometimes works, but sometimes it doesn't work. Because if someone wants to pick on your child, they can find a way to do it when no one is looking. And it becomes very scary. In fact, it actually inhibits learning. If you're sitting there and someone's threatening you, even under their breath, you know, you're stupid or you're, what happened, what kicks in is that flight and fight hormone. And the hippocampus actually draws up so that learning stops. You can't function. And so the parent needs to really work on this. Uh, They are the child's advocates, so they can't just sit back and say, turn the other cheek. It doesn't work. I've seen students come home, not with just bruises on their face, but on their torso too. It is really, uh, it can really escalate to like a mob mentality where if there's no consequences, the child keeps getting picked on more and more. Of course, I don't like to say, you know, tell your child to fight back, but there is some, there is a time for that. So number one, you want to equip your child with the best possible skills because you're not, they're not always going to have a trusted adult around. So what are the skills? First of all, Can the child use humor to get out of the situation? In other words, can they use their brain? Because if you can use humor and uh, and turn the tables verbally, that gives you a, a distinct advantage. Number two, please examine what's going on in the dynamics of your own family. Because many children who are bullied in the home seem to go out of the home with a target on their back. I don't know why this is, and I'm not quoting from any scientific research. I'm just telling you my own empirical research, 
what I have witnessed through the years. If a child was bullied at home, they were more susceptible to being bullied at school. So if that has happened, then you need to go about to fix it. It could be you. You could inadvertently be bullying your own child. It could be your husband. It could be an older sibling. The definition of being being bullied is someone with more power and it constantly happens. So, you know, someone hurts your child's feelings or, you know, inflicts, they get in a, a fist fight out on the playground once in a while and they're equal and there's not a, a stronger, like a group against one, then it's not defined as bullying. It's just the unkind things that happen once in a while. But if it's a stronger entity, like a parent can easily bully a child and not even mean to, or a group of peers can start picking on a child, on one of their peers, bullying, and there becomes this what we call gang mentality where there's some type of I call it sinful pleasure in inflicting pain on somebody else. We also know that it's not good for the bully to be allowed to bully. And schools have gone a long ways in trying to make sure it doesn't happen, but it still happens, I'm sad to say. If that doesn't work, you need to take the child out and either homeschool them or put them in a a, a different school, a smaller school, a church school. Just get them out of there. Get them out of that environment because you don't want to destroy his love for learning. You don't want him to feel less of a person. At the same time, you don't want to run away from your problems, but sometimes that's the best thing to do. So that's my advice. Okay, the next question from a listener is, my child is in the third grade and cannot read. It seems like what he knows one day, he doesn't remember the next. He's been tested and they have given him an IEP, but that really doesn't help him to learn to read. It's just giving him more time to complete his assignments and allowing a reader to read for him. Do you have any suggestions? This listener really wants her child to learn how to read. And even though it sounds very simplistic, you need to check for scotopic sensitivity syndrome. 80% of children who are labeled dyslexic or, you know, some kind of learning disability when it comes to reading, 80% of them can be corrected with getting the right color purple. See, we have these cones behind our eyes and the color purple, and it has the spectrums that we need to see and understand what we're looking at. But for some children, they're missing a spectrum of color, maybe blue, peach, red, I don't know. And we have discovered that providing that spectrum in the the form of an overlay or a lens in the glass, and there are glasses, that the lines quit wiggling. And I had such a great experience the other day. I have a first grader who is now towards the end of the first grade. And most of my kindergartners come to me able to read, but she couldn't. And we just, you know, we've gone 
and gotten her evaluated and everything, and she definitely has a learning disability, and it's definitely playing out in not being able to read. And so I went on, I went on the really good stuff catalog, and I purchased the Erlen overlays, and I got them, and I just started testing her with them, and. It was interesting because, you know, when you're testing that young of a child, you have to kind of rely on how they feel. And so I would just have her shut her eyes and then put the overlay on the page and then take the over, uh, take, you know, have her open her eyes and she'd look at the color and at the words. And I say, just look at the words. Are they holding still? Are they wiggling? Does it make your eyes feel relaxed? And so that's how we decided on a color for her, and it was blue. So then I did all of her uh, workbook pages in blue, her math and, and anything that she has. And on Fridays, for a special treat, I give her a count by number, where she has to draw a line from one number to the next. And it's, it's pretty simple. For example, there's a picture of a doghouse, and so you're counting by tens up to a hundred, and so there's not a whole lot of lines, and they're you know straight from one to the other. Well, up until I started doing it on blue paper, she could not color. Every single thing she did was just scribbled because she said the lines moved, and she didn't know really where to color. So once I started on the blue paper. Then I had her trace the line that she did with the color that she wanted to color it. And it was amazing, the improvement. So I'm thinking that with younger children, maybe some type of very simple picture that you would draw or shape and test them with the different colored overlays. There's about 10 different colors peach and gray and blue and turquoise and I also do levels of layers so uh, for my third grade boy I might have I think he's on three levels of uh, three different sheets and we've taped them together and he uses that for everything because it keeps him from having a headache and um, he wants to catch up with the readers in his third grade. So I can really relate to this question. If you do do the overlays and you see some success with it, then go the next step and actually have them looked at by a screener. And you have to look for them. I know I've taken children all the way up to Erie, down to Baltimore. Uh, Wherever uh, the screeners would come, I would take children because once you put that spectrum into a glass you know like what they were on their face not only does the learning the reading improve but hearing multiple directions so you can give more than one direction at a time Uh, often with a child that has a reading disability they also can't do more than one thing at a time their brain just cannot process a number of rules. You have to say, go clear off your desk, period. After they've cleared off their desk, then you can say, now do your room duty, period. You can't say something like, go clear off your desk and then go do your room duty and then get your stuff ready for school to be out because they can't remember that. And there's a lot of theories on that, but you'll find out that if they use these 
glasses for scotopic sensitivity, that they will also then, their audio improves. It's very fascinating. So those are my suggestions. Well, we've already come to the halfway mark of the show, so I'm going to take a break right here, and then when we come back, I have a question for from a 7th grade girl, her family. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Marty Michaels, and welcome to Heartbeat. These days, the news seems to constantly remind us of the growing number of suicides in our culture. Our government tries to offer programs that they think will fix the cause of this terrible tragedy in our society. Programs might help, but they do not solve the real problem. Christian songwriter Andre Crouch once wrote, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Jesus is the way. So when you begin to feel that there is no hope, try Jesus Christ. He is the answer for the world today. Heartbeat is brought to you by the Salvation Army. Hi, I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin. And I come to you each week through the programs of Education Currents and Homeschool Companion. And I'm so blessed to be part of MRG Media Radio Ministry. And I'm giving you the opportunity to be part of it too. We can't stay on the air without your financial support. So take a moment right now during our fundraiser to call you with a gift of any size. As a token of my appreciation for your gift, I have a gift you so be sure you call and my gifts consist of books from different guests that I've had on the show and different topics that I've done and I also have some books that I've written that I've autographed for you so be sure and call us 301-824-3162 that's 301-824-3162 or Write to MRG Media at P.O. Box 413, Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. That's P.O. Box 413, Smithsburg, Maryland, 21783. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Rose Gamblin, and today I'm dealing with questions that you, my listeners, have asked And they bear repeating because we have these dilemmas over and over again. So this question is from a listener who says, We've moved to a very rural farm area. There are no church schools and I can't homeschool. Maybe she, you know, maybe she's a teacher herself or works in another, or maybe she's a single mom that's working hard to provide for her family. I don't know. She doesn't say here. So my daughter is going to public school for the first time in her life. She will be in the seventh grade. How can I help her transition in? She is very afraid. Well, I understand. That would be a hard grade to go into. Into a big school that you're not, you don't have any friends. 
So the first thing I would do is, if possible, make an appointment so that she could meet her teachers individually. I have had such great experience with my public school friends that are teachers. They they really try to go the extra mile. And you can let them know on the side too that she's nervous about this experience. And they'll look out for her and help her. That's the, that's the first thing I would do as a parent. Just take her to the environment so she can see how she will be moving from one room to the next and who her teachers will be. Because remember, they are, when you're not around, they're advocating for her. And then the second thing I would do is to coach her. One of the things that I always recommend is don't brag. It's so tempting. You know, you're a seventh grader. You can do a lot of things. Maybe you've been homeschooled and you're now already an accomplished musician. And and maybe you're ahead of everybody in math because you just got it. And so it's not that I want you to play dumb. I just don't want you to brag about it. There's something about children who brag then the other children try to knock them down a peg, which can be very hurtful. So coach her not to brag about her accomplishments. And then re- remind her that God is always with her. And if this is where she's at, it's because God knows there's some other student or some other person that she can be very helpful to. And she can take maybe and help them with their math and help them with their reading, help them with their schoolwork. So in addition to not bragging, be a friend, be helpful to others. And even if, you know, you hear a snide remark, oh, you're trying to kiss up to the teacher, which is common in seventh and eighth grade, just smile. Remember, a smile can go a long ways in diffusing what could be a difficult situation. And with that, I wish the very best for her. Okay, this next question. My son can speak English, but doesn't seem to understand it. He can understand Spanish, but he can't speak it. So he's coming from a bilingual family. He has an IEP since he was born with Down syndrome. I just want what is best for him. And you know, we have to recognize that these children that are born with disabilities still have some gift to give. And I think that's the biggest challenge for parents is to recognize that my child still has something to give. What is it? And to help that child develop it to their full abilities. We know that children born with Down syndrome are almost always happier and seem more at peace with life and bring us more joy. And we're very happy about that. Now, the bilingual part is a little more tricky because he can speak English, but he doesn't always seem to understand. Well, most likely that's part of his Down syndrome, and the teachers need to be patient with that. They just need to love him for who he is and be patient with that. And then the fact that he can understand Spanish but can't speak it, if the parent really wants their child to be bilingual even in the face of Down syndrome, 
then they they need to spend more time making sure that he can learn to speak Spanish. Because if he can speak English, that means he's already learned a foreign language, depending on which uh, is the language that he was born with. Most likely he was born with Spanish. So I wish the best for this family. It's always difficult. Sometimes we just mourn the fact that our children weren't born normally. But later we can reflect back and see how it was just such a gift God gave us. And I hope that is your experience too. Okay, here's another question. My husband and I are getting a divorce. My daughter, who's in the fifth grade, seems to be okay with it, but my son in the sixth grade is acting out. The more disrespectful he is, the more he gets in trouble, so it seems like I'm always punishing him about something. How do I break out of that cycle of punishing? Well, that is a million-dollar question because... I know lots of families that are dealing with that, and they don't even have the divorce going on. But a divorce in a family is so traumatic. Even though your daughter may seem okay with it, she isn't okay with it. It's it's very difficult. And I applaud you in the fact that you're trying to keep the boundaries. The boundaries must be maintained because... Everything feels so out of control during this time. And if you can look at that your son is acting out, most likely because he wants to make sure the boundaries are still there, you might be able to be less stressed out about it yourself. And my advice is create the consequences that you can live with. You don't want to be beating on him. He's in the sixth grade. But you could uh, have some special rewards and things that he could do or things that you could purchase for him or time that he could spend with technology or fishing or whatever he might like to do in order to help him break the cycle. And I know I've talked about behavior cards for in classrooms and stuff where you take the little index card and you fold it up till you have about eight squares on each side, eight to 16, depending on how, how much you want to make out of it. And then You can just say, you know, every hour that you can not act out, we're going to try to break this cycle. And just affirm, you know, just catch him at doing the right things because often the child who acts out is a child who's most like us and most, and that's where the most conflicts often arise. And we, we love them so much, but we just don't realize that we're, you know, creating this cycle. So, I appreciate the fact that you recognize that that's the first step in breaking out of the cycle. And then talk to him about what you're going to do or and get his input. He's in the sixth grade. He's old enough to think about how it could help, how he could help in breaking this cycle. And just see if you can't help both of them through this very tumultuous time. I wish the best for you. I have one last question. I don't know if I can squeeze it in here. It's, I'm a new teacher, and it looks like my first job will be in public school. I haven't been able to get a job in a church-affiliated school. What are some ways I can share my faith without breaking the law? And I'll just give you a quick answer here. Maybe on another show I can give you a more in-depth answer. You walk the talk. You love the students. You're respectful to students and teachers, and they will know 
I had a teacher come up to me and ask me to pray for them. And I'm thinking, how do they know I'm a praying person? But they know the Spirit of God will shine through you. And uh, I wish you the best. And I have one last thing to say as we close the show, and that is keep learning. You have been listening to Education Current, a production of MRG Media Ministries. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.